It's a game plan, I believe, that you need. I want to let you into my world a little bit about faith. I think I'm going to preach a series on it. I need to move really quick. I hope you've got a pen and pad. So are you doing all right? Are you doing all right? In these days, you know, the Bible says we're going to be living in perilous times, earthquakes and pestilence and all this stuff is happening and darkness is encroaching and covering the world. Nations are falling over to despots and dictatorships and wars. And look, all that's happening. But in the context of that, the Bible says, the Bible says that the glory of the Lord will increase upon the church. So darkness, and if we focus on the darkness, we're going to be in strife. We've got to, we've got to, we've got to understand this in the context of what's happening that you are in days where God wants to up the ante of the anointing. He wants to give you greater hope, more faith. He wants to give you such determination in your heart of hearts, but through grace. And so these missionaries were in China. They met up with a 103-year-old China guy, blind now, living in a hut. And and Luke, can you help get up and do this for him? And he's blind and... And he's deaf, and they, they said, we've got to ask him something before we go. These are two Western missionaries. Let's ask him. And so they wrote something on a bit of paper, and he's squinting, he's squinting, and he looks, and he writes in response. He says, by grace, by the grace of God, go I. So it's all by grace. This church is held together by grace. It's not held together by programs. Some people have misinterpreted this church that it's held together by Phil and Julie. Well, actually, it is in a way because it's the grace on us that we cover this church with. But it's the grace of God, go I. And that's how we've reached this stage. But there's something more than grace that you need because grace is absolute. You need that. And that is leaning into God. That is just like walking like this, just leaning. Just, or putting your sails up and just getting around like, like with sails, just... And when you stop, you go, what are you stopping for? No wind, no grace. Can't do that. Can't go out tonight. Come on, let's go out. Let's go. No, can't do that. The wind's not blowing that way. You know, the wind's not going. I don't know why. And then you find out someone had a car accident and stuff like that. You know? Everything's by grace. If you've got grace to go in a nightclub, well, I don't know how that is, but maybe it's so. And I know people, Cheyenne, who's a major apostolic figure in the world, he got saved at the Deep Purple and a guy tapped him on the shoulder 1972 tapped him on the shoulder at a deep purple concert and said by the way friend you're going to think this is crazy but do you know Jesus are you kidding do I know Jesus I'm stoned I'm listening to deep purple and he said no just trust me give me a couple of moments and he did and he got saved so stuff like that can happen but I don't recommend going to these things where you can find yourself with no grace when, you know when you've got no grace because you just can't do what, what the enemy wants you to do. Anyway, still not on my message. So let's go through some couple of scriptures and, I'll, and I've got to cut to the chase. Okay, this is it. Faith. You need faith. And I'll go to a, a story at the end that will explain what I think you need in robust faith, dynamic faith. So you 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 got faith, you believe in Jesus. That That's faith justified by faith you got that sword people just know of god he's there somewhere look i believe it jesus lord i just believe it and then there's more faith than that but the next faith is dynamic faith and that's the faith that you live by 
It's when you get that gleam in your eye. It's when you are able to read the situation and you can see the invisible. You can see on the horizon what God wants for a city, for a town, for a nation. Yeah, that sort of faith opens your eyes and you can see opportunity. You can see when someone needs a word of God, when you've got an opportunity to speak. Faith is something that I believe we all need 24-7. Is that cool? So let me take you to that. And this is a little bit of a, an insight to how I function and a little bit of my mindset. Let's, let's go to the Word very quickly. And I, I hope you can drag up a scripture at the end, Tim, and it, it would be the scripture of 1 Samuel 17, 26. 1 Samuel 17, 26. And I've just said that all this stuff is all over the planet. It's crazy. But, you know, still the same spirit that prophesied that would happen said this in Matthew 24, verse 14. It said, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. We're actually doing right now the word of God. God said by His Spirit there would come a time of tribulations, famines, earthquakes, pestilence and wars. That's happening. But He said when that's happening, there's going to be a church and a people that are, 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 arise and preach the gospel. So, young people, listen to me. We're not playing church. These days are desperate now. We're trying to get people out of darkness and into the light. And it can happen just simply by grace, by just saying the name of Jesus. I knew a major businessman that got saved. He was at a convention and a man went up to him with one scripture. Sir, excuse me. And he was a major uh, guru of his, uh, a dentist he was. And he said, sir, you think I'm crazy, but can I just read you one scripture? Read him one scripture. And he started crying and then he gave his life to Jesus. See that? See that? Didn't get saved by intellect got saved by the power of the Word of God. So we're going to quickly talk about that in Jesus' name. Oh, my goodness. Mark 4.29 says there's going to be a crop. I love this. Someone said, and I wrote this down, the Lord said that in the last days there would be a crop. I love that the last days Christians will reach full stature. And you can take this home and have a look at it. It's Mark 4.29. I thought it was great. And I think it, exactly what's happening. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle in because the harvest has come. God is taking a harvest and he's taken all, the, all those ones, especially youth en masse, are getting saved all over the planet. En masse. He's just taken a sickle and he's reaping a harvest of Daniels, of young young men and women of God that will stand and be the church in the last days. Who believes this? This is exact, it's actually happening in this house. The youth group is amazingly on fire with young people with full potential. And, and, and this is what God's doing. So, And of course, I love this scripture. So this is a little bit of the backdrop to the story I'll tell you. Daniel 11.32 says, says this, uh, and those who know their God will be strong. They will do exploits, shine like the stars, and lead multitudes to righteousness. Do you like that? And then in Daniel 12, 3, it says, And such as do wickedly against the covenant shall be corrupt by flatteries. But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do mighty exploits. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars of heaven. 
This is an amazing scripture. And so that news, I read this today in the news. Have you got that Hero Teen 15? I'm thinking about great exploits. I'm thinking about the youth. Here's a guy, 15. I read about him in the paper today. He rescues two drowning people from the point of drowning. And this guy today is in the paper. He is a guy of great exploits. But I'm going to take this and believe that this is an analogy of the spiritual. This is in the physical. This actually happened. It's in the Sunday paper. Lachlan Edwards, God bless your soul, young lad, 15 from Belmont, helped rescue two people from the surf. How he did that, I wish I had time to read this. Went out, got one, brought him in. Don't know how he got the other one. Haven't read the whole story. But there is a young lad saving souls in the natural. Come on, let's give it up for this young guy. 15. 15 years. And, and, and the constable says, look, this is out of sight. This is amazing. What about the lady, that, 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 that unfortunate uh, incident where the army officers were bailed up by a, a madcap psychiatrist and he's shooting away and uh, how many people are killed? I don't know. And the lady, the lady, she's doing the traffic policing down on the corner, but she's highly trained to respond. <laughs> She walks into the situation, sees the guy dead blank, pulls out the gun, wounds him, wounds him, wounds him, wounds him. And everyone's going, my God, this is a woman, my God. Just points, just straight at him. Just walks around the corner, walks around him. Yeah, you're the one. Just took him out. Legs, arms, he's like Ned Kelly. Just go, who is this? I love these stories because this is, this is sort of like how the church has got to be in these last days. Do you know what I mean? That was a woman. A woman in the 30s, but highly trained, standing on a, a you know, doing the, the, the thing on the corner. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand right there. I haven't got time to even preach this message. My God, let's go to the... Okay, I'm done. I can't even... The content is just out the window. I mentioned the covenant this morning, and the covenant is very important. I don't want to bamboozle anyone, new Christians, I know a lot of you are are, are Christians, new Christians, but when Jesus died on the cross, he shed his blood. And that shedding of his blood was once for all. In the Old Testament, they had to sacrifice lambs and bulls and all the time, all the time, sacrificing. And then God said, no, this this ain't working. We're going to, there's a price that's got to be paid. And that price can be paid one and only time by a sinless human being. Who's that? Who's that? Well, there's only one. That's Jesus. So Jesus comes, he pays the price, and he pays the price for our salvation. Do you know what I'm saying? And so that's called the New Covenant. It's called the New Testament. So you've got your Old Testament. Now the New Testament is all about you living under better promises, living through the blood of Christ, which means that you have rights through the authority, through this cosmic event, the most important event that's ever happened, bigger than Michael Jackson dying, bigger than the Tuesday cup, bigger than that hat that lady was wearing, bigger than that, much bigger, bigger than Vegemite getting renamed, bigger than anything. And so... This event happened and it changed the whole game plan for the church to exist and to push back the hordes of hell. 
A lot of church is about... Okay, hang on. A lot of leadership is about understanding our authority in that covenant. We have a covenant in Christ. Meaning when the devil tries to knock and come against us, we can come against him, the enemy, in Jesus' name. Let's look at this very quickly. Let's look at David. Who likes young David? So I'm talking about embracing the fight of faith. Praise God. Let's quickly go through it because my time is done. In these days, let me just say this first. You've got to know the Word of God. You've got to speak the Word of God. I found myself all week, and this comes from this thought, that I've been walking, blazing the truth. Blazing the truth. That doesn't sound good. I was cruising with a big hat on, just walking through the bush. But I was blazing the trails. That sounds better on tape. Blazing the trails, praying for you, each individually and as a church, and my family and my children. And I'm praying now because I'm really wanting to do business. And you've got to understand this, that there is legalities in the spirit realm. And the enemy knows it. So I started to pray through the covenant. Lord, we're blood-bought, we're purchased by you. By your blood, we're set free. Lord, by your covenant, we're released from every curse, every bondage, every wretched um, strategy from the pit of hell. And so, Lord, I'm praying by your blood, by your blood covenant, Lord, bless us, heal us, deliver us, prosper us, you know, this sort of stuff. So in that, I got this thought about David who knew his covenant. He knew his covenant rights. Young lad, shepherd lad, been out on the back paddocks, young kid, scrawny kid, his brother's big hero's armor, standing there on the edge, getting taunted by Goliath, all shivering and shaking. He turns up with the lunch, David. Some people have never heard these stories, uh, Luke. It's amazing. Some people haven't heard the story of David and Goliath. But David, he comes. I don't know how old the kid is. He's probably 12, 13, 14. I don't know. And, and how old? 12. Okay, that sounds good. He turns up and he hears the taunts of Goliath, 10 foot, 400 pound giant, cussing out, cussing out God's people, cussing out God's church, cussing out God's family and children and people and God. And young 12 year old David says, well, what are we standing around for? What are we doing this? It's like Julie and I turning up in Wyong all those years ago and saying, why is this place like this? Why, why is there so much darkness? Why are people walking around like this? Why, why isn't there no flourishing church in Wyong? Why do, do these, why, what's wrong with this place? And something rose up in me. Some covenantal rights rose up in me and said, no, we're not going to stand for this giant that's causing this rack and ruin. We're going to do something about it. And this is the story. So, guys, can you give me 1 Samuel 17, 26? David, the shepherd boy, future king of Israel, was a man who knew his covenant rights. When he heard the words of Goliath, he considered Goliath's words a disgrace. 1 Samuel 7, 26. David asked the man standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Imagine this kid talking like this. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And by the way, what sort of reward do you get for doing this stuff? You know, some people should ask what they get 
and what sort of reward they get by supporting the church. Because I believe God rewards people that help build the church. We've been rewarded like out of sight. The opportunities, the favor, the people we've met. When you engage in your covenantal blessing, in your covenantal rights, and take on a victory at hand, a take on a challenge for a victory at hand, you shall be blessed. If you sit on the sidelines, you never score goals, you don't get any applause, and, and it's just like it all goes by you. When you get into the game plan, but and like David, and this is great, here we go, this is it. I'm done, I'm nearly done. David aggressively went after the giant with his blood covenant talk such as this. Verse 26, who is this un- uncircumcised? Fil- he had to be circumcised to be in the covenant of God. Uncircumcised you weren't, okay? So, uncircumcised meaning no covenant. Who's this guy? No covenant. George Costanza would say, no hand. You have no hand. I have no hand. What else does he say? He said a few of those ones, didn't he? I have no hand. I don't know why he says that, but it's so funny. I find that guy very... The next one is Israel. This uncircumcised person against the army of the, the covenantal people, the people of Israel, the Philistines are the army of the devil. All right, so here we got a situation. Now, next, verse 37. The Lord who delivered... Now he says... This is his covenantal talk, man. I I can see him like this. He's weighing up the situation. And and all his brothers, big brothers too. What is he doing? He's making a fool of himself. And he's just locked in, man. He's hearing God. He's got faith. He's got spirit in him, man. He's He's looking at the guy straight bang on. He's not looking at anyone, fretting, fretting. He's not listening to anyone. He's looking at this thing, at this situation. And he sees a great reward. No taxes for his whole family. And he gets to marry Saul's daughter. And now he's really logged on. He's really up for it. Amen. So let's have a look at this. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. David knew no fear. He knew God was there with him because of the covenant. And this is great. As we know the covenant, as we speak by authority, which I believe the Christian church has got to learn to do in these days, young and old. We've got to learn to speak our covenant to situations, especially these giants that are coming against us in Jesus' name. We speak with authority. People will take notice. Like even Saul, the king, is taking notice of a 12-year-old king. Saul, the king, is looking at David and going, Who's this kid? He's brilliant. Look at the swagger on him. Look Look at the confidence of him. Look at his faith. Look at you. Look at my armies quivering and shaking. Look at this kid. He's brash. He's hungry. He's young. He wants his taxes cancelled. He wants to marry the best young, young bride in the, in the land. That's cool. He's got an incentive, but he knows he's God. He knows he's God. He just feels so much grace on him. It's like he's like a hundred times bigger than what he really is. Verse 
He knew no fear. He knew God was with him because of his covenant. 3, 40, verse 40. David chose five smooth stones from the streams. I'm nearly done. Put them in the pouch of the shepherd's bag. So he picks up five stones. Yeah, I remember. They said, they said he's got four brothers. He's got four brothers. Five. How many I put in there? I'm not sure. But I'm up to five. I've got to be right. Got to be biblically right. I got five. Why you got five? Got one for him. I got four for his four brothers that are giants too. That's cool. He's got that glean in his eye and he's looking down there. And this is radical what's about to happen. David chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. David was familiar with God's power and how God had used him in the past. He did not trade, he did not trade his sling for Saul's armor because Saul tried to give him his armor. He said, you need some armor, kid. He put my armor on. He tried to put it on. It was all clumsy. It was all over the joint. And he just threw that to the side and he just got what he knew was his anointing and he began to engage the enemy. Get your anointing. Get what is your equipment Understand, don't try and copy us. Don't try and copy anyone. You are unique. And you've got to find your own glare. You don't, you don't copy anyone. You, if you want to stand there like this, if you want to stand there like that, if you want to stand there with your hands held and look at your Goliath, do whatever. But find where your groove is in the anointing to overcome those things coming against you. Yeah, you can clap. Come on, let's clap from front to back, side to side. David was somehow familiar with, with the victory in the lion and the bear. He said, if it worked with me with the lion and the bear, if it worked with that guy, I could do it with this guy. I think something extraordinary, like something extraordinary come on upon him, like an anointing. I reckon he could have said, I'll revive Wyong. I'll go into Wyong High School and start a revival in there. Let me loose at Westfields. I'll preach the gospel. This is a young lad who's absolutely ready to do a lot of damage to the darkness. Amen? The covenant leaves us in a state of being prepared for anything. He had those four other stones. 45. You can, now, this is it. Here it is. Here's the key. He's not, he's not going to run up to him in his own strength, in his own anointing, but he knows... There's a, covenantial, there's a covenantial fact here that it's by God and God is going to take this guy out. And he understands that and he says this. Let's look at this quickly. You, must, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord, or my, in the name of Jesus. That's, a, that's what you've got to use. In the name of Jesus Christ, be healed. In the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus Christ, debts be cancelled. In the name of Jesus Christ, we had to say in the name of Jesus Christ. Yesterday, there was a big argument down the road. I got out in the back road and I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, I rebuke you, you spirit of murder, you spirit of anger. And we started to do this off our back veranda. And you can't, because that doesn't belong in my neighborhood. What are you laughing at? You don't know what dad gets up to. Say, in the name of Jesus, I don't do it that demonstratively, but in the name of Jesus, dogs are looking at me. This is serious. 
Wow, what's happening here? I said, in the name of Jesus, we rebuke that spirit of murder, spirit of anger, bind it. And... Oh, I love it. Good practice. <laughs> you come against me with the sword and the spear and the javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord, the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This giant was defying God, insulting God, and so David ro rose up in righteous anger. When the enemy comes in like a flood, we've got to raise a holy standard and declare Christ. We've got to declare a righteous, a righteous solution. And this is what David did. 46, he continues by saying, This day the Lord will hand you over to me. David represented God and God did the fighting for him. David kept his eyes on God despite Goliath cursing him. Oh man, this is great stuff. 43, 44, if you can go there. We also need to keep our eyes on the Lord despite the devil's lies of sickness, failure, death and poverty. Speak back with covenant talk and say, I don't care about your, your nonsense you know, statements and your cussing and your mocking. Keep your eyes on Jesus and declare in covenant language that the enemy is defeated. The enemy is defeated. Keep your eyes on Jesus. No matter if the enemy is mocking you and taunting you and lying, you're not going to do that. How can you do that? No, you just stand there and deliver. You keep your eyes a little bit above the battle. Keep your eyes towards God and declare with your spirit alive in faith now because faith is an attitude. It's an attitude, man. Yeah, you've got an attitude. Yeah, I've got an attitude. I've got an attitude about people being lame and sick and deprived from life by being sick and depressed and oppressed. And I rise up with an attitude, man. And I'm standing on my covenantal agreement, which was done 2,000 years ago, but for the reward of his suffering. All the suffering. Watch the Mel Gibson movie. Suffering, suffering for the reward of that. I stand and deliver this city, people, and you, my friends, into God's perfect world. I'm freaking some people out now. I'll back off. I'll back off. Am I, getting over, am I going overboard? Am I losing them? Am I, yeah, come on, come on. Um, guys, there's a devil out there that wants to cause rack and ruin to the, our best friends and family who are not in covenant. We're going to have to stand as kings and priests. Kings pronounce from God. He's the king of kings. He's the king of kings. Whether we're kings, the Bible says we're kings. And we pronounce judgment and uh, healing and prosperity and blessings upon the people. But then we're priests. We take people's problems as a priest to God, to God. We're priests. We take it to God. So we've got a big task at hand. We're the church. You can all stand. God bless you. Faith. We need faith. Yeah, let's, let's give it up for Jesus. Oh, yeah. Once we speak the word of God with faith and follow it through with our actions, our words will be life and spirit and the word will accomplish everything it was sent to do. Believe it or not, and this will amaze some people, if you speak the word of God, God is looking after his word He's looking afterward to perform His Word. So as much as you can speak the Word, as much as you can speak the Word, He will look after that Word and He will perform the Word. Do you know what I mean? So it's the Word of God. 
you know, you can run out of just your pet little prayers and that, but eventually you're going to have to learn some weaponry, which is the Word of God. You're going to have to understand that the Word of God gives you life. Faith comes by hearing, by hearing the Word of God. Faith will, will come alive through reading the Word of God. The Word of God comes alive by you ingesting the Word of God. You need the Word of God to feed your spirit. You need the Word of God to make sense of this world. You need the Word of God to confer, to decree, to declare over your friends, over your church, blessings and prosperity, healing and all that. Declare it through your covenantial rights. Declare it, believe it. It's the Word of God. You've got to go to the Word of God. Find the promises. The Bible says in Hebrews, the promises are better than the old promises in the Old Testament. Go to the Bible. Some of you have been defeated for year in, year out, year in, because you've never took the Word seriously. You've always depended on a man and a good structure called a church, or you've depended on Darlene Check to worship and whatever, but these are the days when God is raising up a holy army, a mighty army that can walk out their days under their own steam, but by grace, in the anointing of God, by faith, and stand in any situation and determine that those giants are abomination to God and they're coming down in Jesus' name. And our battle is not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers in the heavenly realms that come and try and influence the best of us. But I, I say this, in these last days, God's raising up a church that's strong in faith. I've got one more scripture I want to read to you. One scripture that really means a lot to me. And it, and it goes like this. To grow in faith. 2 Corinthians 10, 15. Neither do we go beyond our limits by boasting of work done by others. Our hope is that as your faith continues to grow, our area of activity among you will greatly expand. We're hoping that you get more faith, that your faith will grow. If you can get more faith, we can do more. If it's all depending on just the, the great team we got here, there's only so much we can do. We're not presumptuous enough to go and reach too far out and touch things that are not ours. But if we get enough people on fire, if, if there's enough people in the youth group on fire, if there's enough people that are in agreement, that are resting on their covenant agreement in their giving, worshiping God, coming to church, I'm telling you, we can really do some damage against the principalities and powers. If everyone comes into agreement and stands in covenant agreement and looks this giant in the eye, which is over the coast of division, gossiping and bickering, which has torn apart the church for a long time now, if we stand as a church in unity and declare to that stronghold, that principality and power of the coast, you're coming down. You're coming down. In Jesus' name. Let's stand right now. Let's, let's, let's. Father in heaven. Let our faith grow in you. Let our faith grow in you, Lord.